Welcome to the important part, investing with Liz Young. I'm Liz Young, head of investment strategy at SoFi, here to help cut through the large amount of information out there about investing and get to the important part. With the help of my guests, you'll gain valuable insights, new perspectives, and the knowledge to confidently make your investment decisions. Welcome back, everybody, to the important part. So this episode is going to be a little unique. And in a year when fundamentals really matter, I think having an episode where we talk about analyzing data and how that actually permeates through all aspects of our lives is really important. And things like momentum and how momentum may have gotten investors here to a certain point, but now the rubber is really hitting the road in a tightening cycle and the quality of companies matters. So does their valuation. So how much are you paying for those companies? And that all depends on the data and analytics that you can look at from previous performance and experience. So this episode is to stimulate your minds with all the different angles that we can take, all the different angles we can look at opportunities, what we analyze in order to come to a final decision. And it's never 100% perfect. But we're going to do this with sports. We're going to do it with football and talking about how we analyze players and how we analyze teams and how that actually is pretty similar to how we analyze stocks. So our guest today, I'm so excited to have her here, is Cynthia Freeland. Cynthia is NFL Network's first on-air analytics expert and can be seen across a variety of NFL media shows and platforms. During the week, Freeland can be seen on NFL Now, Fantasy Live, Power Rankings, Game Day View, and on Sundays on Game Day Morning. Last season, she hosted the popular Game Theory and Money podcast with Matt Money Smith. Cynthia's proprietary data analytics model, which she coded herself, gives her a -a one-of-a-kind view into football analytics and statistical projections. She continues to pioneer innovation in sports data and analytics through a variety of platforms. Cynthia graduated from Boston College with a BS in biology in 2005 before receiving her MBA in finance, entrepreneurship, and innovation, and then continued on with an MS in predictive analytics at Northwestern University. Let's get to the interview. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining me. We're sitting here in the SoFi Rams hospitality suite in downtown LA. This is so exciting. It's gorgeous here. And I'm really excited to bring this episode of the podcast to everybody with somebody from the NFL. We've got two ladies on a couch talking about football and finance. I don't think it gets much better than that. So what we're going to do today is draw some comparisons between what you do and what I do which is a lot about data and analytics. And it turns out that actually analyzing investments and analyzing athletic performance are pretty similar. There's a lot of similarities. First, I want to point out, I really wish that I hadn't eaten breakfast because this hospitality suite is incredible. And it's actually like a nice day. You can see like, there's snow-capped mountains. I know. Who knew LA I was know. so pr- I live here. Who All knew it was so pretty? All the seasons. And, yeah. yeah. So, no, I'm really glad to be here. And I do think there are a lot of parallels because I did actually come from a banking background in order to do what I do now. So I think some people get into analytics and sports analytics through the statistics way. And those people are really academic and much smarter than me. But I needed like functional, like I need to be mindful, like you have a limited amount of time. There's one week between each game during the regular season and the draft. There's, you know, just a couple of minutes between each draft pick. So all of the areas that you can help find undervalued 
players, undervalued situations, you have to be mindful of time. So I actually think having a banking background is really advantageous for what I do now. Oh, I bet. I bet. I mean, it's perfect, really. And I mean, at the end of the day, we're both in the game of predictive analysis, right? So I'm trying to analyze trends and look at the fundamentals of an investment or a stock or whatever the case may be in order to help people make the right choices going forward with their money. You're trying to analyze athletic performance, and we'll talk about all the different ways that you do that in order to help predict or help teams make a better choice in their drafts, right? And I think that it's important to to keep in mind that there's always this kind of fudge factor. So we can analyze stuff over and over and over again, ad nauseum, but it's all still humans, right, that we're trying to track and that we're trying to beat, so to speak. So there's always this factor that we can't quite get to, but we're going to get as close as we possibly can. Yeah, and it's really the funny part is, at least in sports analytics, people are like, oh, like you hear you hear broadcasters during the game say, the analytics say they should go for it on fourth down here. And that's not actually always true. So it's funny because it just kind of becomes this like mishmash of words that don't mean a lot. Just kind of like there are pundits who say like, you should buy this stock right yeah. now. And like they don't have any, yep. like they're not really backing it up. So it's really interesting to see how they've kind of coexisted. And these words can mean absolutely nothing in like analytics. Analytics and what, what can mean almost nothing if you're not actually doing something that's really not that sexy, which is like being incrementally better each yeah. time. And that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds so sexy. Oh, in game, you're picking this. No, no, it's it's just getting a little better on each play, yeah. not really being that one play being really, you know, deciding the entire game. Like singles and doubles, right? Exactly. Wrong sport, wrong sport. But <laughs> singles and doubles right. instead of always swinging yep. for the just fences. Just get a first down or stop a first down. Yeah. Well, so now I'm interested now that I just said that. What brought you to football? Why football and not baseball or basketball or hockey or whatever? Curling. I don't know. Any other sport. <laughs> this is going to sound like the biggest brown nosing answer. Okay. But the answer really is Anthony Noto because he was the CFO of the NFL at the time when I was in business school looking for my summer internship and I wanted to be different and interesting. And he used to work at Goldman Sachs and I used to read his research reports. And I loved his logic. And I really, when I was banking, I we all, oh, Noto's coming out with this, blah, 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 this whole thing. And then when he went to the NFL, I was like, well, I'll cold email this man and see if this will work out for me. Literally. Wow. It's I did all, not know oh, that. yeah, that's true. I heard he used to have a report called Noto's Notables. I've never, I've never <laughs> asked him about that. I'm going to ask him today. Somebody told me that once. He used to have a report called Noto's Notables, and it became this like big thing. But anyway, yep. I love that. Yep. I love that it was Anthony that brought it was, you here. It was Anthony. Like I okay. wanted to be around smart people who were doing interesting things. And it's funny, like you know, in in media, we always do like alliterations, like way too. So yeah, Noto's Notables, is, like pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, so here's what I want to do. We're going to take a little a bit of a unique approach to this podcast. I'm I'm going to run through a few topics, four or five topics, and we're going to talk about them from your perspective. How do you analyze them? What does that look like from an athletic perspective? And then I'm going to give the finance perspective on the same thing. And here's what I'm hoping for everybody listening. What I'm hoping is that if you're intimidated by the idea of financial analysis, or you think that you don't know enough about statistics, or it's not applicable enough to everyday life, it's too hard to grasp, that drawing some of these comparisons with something like sports that I think we all understand, and obviously we're doing this around the Super Bowl, so it's football, that hopefully drawing those comparisons make this seem more approachable and we can realize that it's in our everyday life no matter what. It's all about data. It's all about analytics. You just don't even know you're doing it. So you're already good at this. You just don't even know it. Okay. First topic, 
time horizon. And when we talked earlier, it sounds like there's a, a perfect time horizon that you've identified for analyzing athletes and, and performance. Well, it's whatever you have access to. We measure. We have a really, our, the cadence of our season is really smartly thought out, right? Like you have, you know, the Super Bowl. Okay, let's pretend that that's like the end of one season. And then we already start this draft season. So the draft season and you get all of your information about their college results. And most players have been in college. I mean, they have to be for three years. There's rules around these things, right? So then when they become draft eligible, then we get to analyze them at the combine and we measure them all with the same measuring stick or many with the same measuring stick. And then we have pro days and people ask questions and the film is there. And then, you know, the draft happens and then you reset your team. By the way, free agency also happens between the combine and the draft. So you have some free agent players and then you get to pick the new ones and you pick this blend. And then that blend, you get to work with them until, you know, the season starts. Basically, there's, you know, some time off, but ultimately your preseason, everything starts around the end of July. And then, you know, come the first Thursday after Labor Day, you are gone and you're off to the races and everyone's kind of got the same schedule. We added a game this season, but there's one bye week and then there's 17 games and then the playoffs. And then it's all starts again. So it's, we have a, a really good seasonality, meaning we can see year over year trends. We can see how often things change. Like I use historical references to kind of figure out what it's like a doppelganger, right? Who are these guys that are home run hitters versus who are the guys who are singles and doubles hitters, right? But, but what you look at is you say in this, you know, how do they compare year over year? The seasonality is perfect. And when you look at somebody historically, so, and and let's not talk about maybe ones that are fresh out of college, but a player that's been in the NFL for a while, let's take somebody like Tom Brady, for example, who's been in for a long that's time. That's a good one, right? there's lots of data on yeah, him. I, right? like, I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of data. Somebody like Tom Brady, where there's a ton of data, do you look at what he did in his first two years, or do you look at what he did in his last three years? Well, we've got 22 moving parts on every snap. So 11 on each side, obviously. But you you kind of, for me, I found that like with current players, about eight years of data is right because you see trends changing. The supply of guys coming out of college, they're changing. Like the defenses are now tend to be a bit smaller to reflect more passing and a quicker offense. You don't see as many traditional like running backs like you saw like a lot of years ago. Running backs now are used in the passing game much more frequently than they were even 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So you kind of look at about about eight is great. But when you have data like the Tom Brady stuff, it's really interesting to see over time how areas he's gotten better, improved, and how the other players, because if you have a really great wide receiver, it actually helps the quarterback with the types of passes that that receiver can catch, right? You get a lot more information with different types of players on the field with a guy like Tom Brady than you can say when he has a true number one wide out, this is more right. And when he doesn't, it looks more like this. Okay. So eight years, eight years is, is the sweet spot. So when we think about it from an investing perspective, I think I would draw a couple parallels. The season that you talked about, right, would be less than a year of a time frame. I'm going to call that short-term investing. And number one, it comes with higher taxes because you're paying <laughs> short-term capital gains. Yep. If if you got a gain, right? You, so you pay higher taxes in it. And I would also call that a space where you're sort of trading or you're swing trading. So not necessarily day trading, but swing trading where you're in a position and you're out. There's limitations on how you can do that from a wash sale perspective, but that's more of a swing trading approach. And it's not usually something that I suggest that people do. So then we move on to what's the next time horizon in investing. You hear a lot of active managers, and, and I used to analyze active managers for a long time. You hear them say things like, well, 
it should do well over a full market cycle, which is this sort of abstract concept. Nobody knows what that means. A full market cycle is usually defined as about three to five years. But the tricky part about this is those cycles just keep getting longer. So we can't even say three to five years anymore. They're getting longer. Lastly, a long-term horizon. So you hear people like me say things like, well, if you're going to hold it over a long-term horizon, you wonder, what does that mean? That usually means 10 years or more. So if your time horizon as an investor, let's say you're 30 years old, you've got plenty of time until retirement, you don't expect to become a billionaire overnight and retire at 35, you've got at least 10 to 15 years before you're even thinking about what will I do next? When will I retire? Right. But in reality, if you're 30, you probably have 25, maybe even 30 years before that's happening. So long term time horizon is 10 plus years. The trick, though, in investing is that most people don't have a 10 year stomach for all of the things that are going to wax and wane. Coaches right? get fired right. a lot. Stuff yes. changes, mm-hmm. right? And over eight years, stuff changes. Mm-hmm. And players change their minds, right? Or teams lose momentum. And we'll get to that too. I don't want to spoil my own question. But <laughs> teams lose their momentum or things change. Maybe a team gets sold or bought or it moves cities and everything changes, right? Or they change their name, like what happened to Washington. Uh, no way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next. <All> right. Next. <laughs> Next topic. All right. Historical references. You talked about this a, a little bit already. You call them doppelgangers. I mean, there's obviously a lot of historical references I can talk about, which I'll do afterwards. But talk about how do you how do you analyze somebody that doesn't have that history? Right. So what's what's the doppelganger concept and how good is it at actually predicting their success? Well, so in football, everything is taken in context, right? Context of the market. Market conditions are different now than they were in 2020 when the pandemic started. So different stocks are going to perform well. If you're put in a 43 defense or a 34 defense, base defense, you're going to have a different opportunity to sack the quarterback, for example. Aaron Donald is a very good example of a guy who, coming out of the draft, people didn't know who to make the comparisons to because he's a bit undersized for an edge rusher, but they knew he was pretty prolific and he was going to be kind of good, but he went to Pitt and they did question the competition he was coming out with. I mean, he's turned into the best defensive player in the league, not in the close. And they, but it had to be in the right system, right? So the context of figuring out how someone will perform in a given system is tricky. Some positions it's a bit easier for than others, but you you try to find, okay, do they fit into height, weight, measurables? That's kind of, that's an older school sort of, do they fit like the, the prototype, right? And then like, do you have, are you a six foot four quarterback? That's great. Do you, you mean the, the prototype for that particular position? position? Prototype by position, right? And if you don't, then what else can you do? Well, now you've seen quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, is a good example. He's out of range too short for for a prototypical quarterback, but his ability to run completely changes the opportunity for him to, for for what he can do on the field, right? But that only works if you get the right O-line, if you get the right receivers, if you get that. that. So it's all figuring out how everything works in context. So does this Rams defense look like a historical defense of X or Y? And how did they perform against an offense that looked like X or Y, right? So both teams have great number one receivers. You know, Jamar Chase really emerged as a rookie sensation and Cooper Cup, you know, he's kind of leading every statistical category receivers can. So how do you shut down each one of those? Each team will go about it in a different way. Okay. Okay. So sometimes accurate, other times not. I mean, some of the things, especially in investments, when we talk about historical references, it's tough to look at a stock compared to its own history, right? Because that history is through different environments. But 
the interesting part about it is that that's the only certainty we have, right? And at the end of the day, what I think what we're both trying to do is reduce the amount of uncertainty yep. that's out mm-hmm. there. The only thing that's certain is what's happened in the past, right? Right. We have no idea what happens going forward. You got to keep rebalancing your portfolio. So when you get who's coming out in the draft and what do you what free agents are available? Because remember we have a salary cap. So you have your money manager and you have a certain amount of salary cap each year that you must spend. There's a floor, ceiling. There's there's a construct for how it must be spent. And the be- you have to rebalance your portfolio given the potential stocks that, and your performance needs to be W's. That's how that's what we measure in, right? So you know if you can you know you maybe you don't get the most expensive free agent wide receiver, you get the third or fourth one, meaning you maybe then you can afford the better left tackle or, you know, you have to construct your portfolio in a way that reflects the best historical information that we have. And then there's a ton of uncertainty with the draft class. So minimizing your uncertainty means figuring out how to balance your portfolio in a way that reflects the best information you have about the past, but also got to pivot quick. Yeah. Well, and and how it mixes with all the other assets, right? And that's, I think, a really important thing for investors to remember. People fall in love with their stocks. Oh, for sure. They fall in love with a name or they get excited about the hype that's going on around a certain name and they want to hold it just for that. And they forget (laughs) to look at how it interacts with everything else in the portfolio. (laughs) And then they never want to sell it, right, right, when they really should sell it. And that's a tough decision to make. So I'm going to give two examples very quickly about historical references right now in the market that one's going well, one's not going well. But we're heading into a rate hike cycle, yep. right? So in March, we're expecting the Fed to rate to hike rates for the first time. Maybe it's 25, maybe it's 50 basis points. Historically, cyclical sectors have done well into that rate hike cycle. So cyclical sectors like financials and energy and materials, even some of the defensives, which I'll call value sectors like utilities and staples, that is holding true. So those sectors have done well in the start of 2022. I would expect that to continue as we head into that first hike. So that's one of those historical references that we can look back on and say, okay, perfect. Things are working exactly as they should, right? And I like it when things work as they should. (laughs) One that is not going well, that is the absolute bane of my existence right now, is small cap stocks, which are usually supposed to do well in inflationary environments. They're the only asset class that has beat inflation every decade since, I think, the 50s, except that is a complete flop right now. (laughs) Small caps have not been doing what they were supposed to do. So it doesn't always work. It's really hard to do. But again, the best that we can do is minimize the amount of uncertainty. Okay, third one, and this is a biggie, and I think that these comparisons are really interesting to draw. So this topic is fundamentals and momentum. We talk about as investors all the time, you have to analyze the fundamentals, you have to watch the momentum of a sector or a name or whatever it may be. Same thing goes for sports, right? So you analyze athletes based on what kind of fundamentals, what would we look at? Well, in in the game scenario, you want to look at matchups. You want to look at kind of things that they've been able to reliably perform at, right? Like, so, you know, Tom Brady, for example, when you wanted to go back to Tom Brady in that in We that can example. use Aaron Rodgers instead. Oh, okay. Well, we, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Great. Aaron Rodgers, is, Aaron Rodgers can throw a deep pass. We've seen that. I'm a Lions fan, so there was that Hail Mary that one time that, anyways. Yeah. But, um, but like, there's, there's things that you know about Aaron Rodgers, for example, you know that if he's outside of the pocket, like look out, you're it doesn't it doesn't matter. He's going to compete. He's going to find Devontae Adams. You know these are things that are ha- so. Or he's going to run himself. Right. Yeah. But if he's out of the pocket, he's like almost more dangerous. Like it's 
lights out then. But you, so you look to see, okay, who is this person? And then you want to say like, okay, what is the scenario around them? Is the left tackle okay? Is the, you know, is everyone hurt? Is Aaron Jones playing this week? Do you, you know, what are the other scenarios that's happening? Because he's still going to be who he is, but to be at his best, Devontae Adams needs to be there. I mean, right. There are some stats to show that he's better with that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, in general, he needs to have his <laughs> yeah, receivers. good as a duo. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And then when you talk about momentum, see, I think sometimes in sports, people get a little nuts with momentum because they think like, oh, the momentum shifted when they had that pick six in the third quarter and blah, 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 blah. And they f- they're like, we can feel the energy. We can feel the things that are different. I think that's interesting, but the data doesn't actually always support that the pick six means you've you've now earned six more points or maybe seven or eight depending on what happens after the so to me the momentum is what have you been doing the past four games how have your assets been performing over four game sample sets so okay like the the most recent four games or if it's a divisional opponent there are some you know because you you play the same opponent like several times, like we saw the Rams play the 49ers three times. And how have you been adjusting to like, have you been breaking with your natural tendencies or not, right? In order for the Rams to beat the 49ers, remember there's seven, that's the seventh matchup between Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. And that was the only one that Sean McVay has won. So, you know, and why? Well, they broke some tendencies on their defense. They didn't do things that were, they had to be different purposefully because it wasn't working the other way. So momentum is is fascinating to me, especially in sports. And this is going to be kind of a silly question. Mm. How much does the crowd matter momentum-wise in a game, right? It shifts. Is it the crowd that we're actually listening to? Or do we feel the energy from the team that's on the field? I would say the crowd matters when they cause penalties. Okay. So especially for, and if you have like a younger quarterback or a rookie quarterback and the crowd is very noisy and away crowd and they can't, you, you see them covering their ears and whatever. And yeah. they delay of game penalties. Like mistake wise, the crowd can matter. Last year when we didn't have crowds for, you know, we, there was no home field advantage. So there is something there, some places more than others. I would argue a lot of that also has to do with like rookie quarterbacks being used to things or not used to things if they because, you know, you see it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you know, like, what do, I can't hear you, you know, that right. kind of thing. So that, I think there's more mistakes from the crowd. But I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the the Bengals didn't have a home field advantage and they came back and beat the twice. They came back and beat the Chiefs. One was at their home, but one was away. And that's a notoriously very loud stadium and like hard situation. So, I mean. I don't know. I, I that that's for someone way smarter than me. Like that that is a question for someone who <laughs> I mean, is a I've lot smarter than me. I've always been curious. The Packers yeah. do it all the time, right? They stand on the sidelines and they try to rile the crowd up. And I've always wondered, does that matter? I, does I think that, that really there's help? probably things that like being at home and having your normal routine, being on your same time zone. I think those things are probably yeah. a, a bit more. Yeah, being accustomed to playing in negative ten degrees. Yeah, that doesn't. I, mean, do. I, don't, I yeah. I'm from Michigan. I don't want to go to te- negative ten degrees ever again. I mean, like, yeah, I never need to go back to me it. neither. Like, yeah, ever. No thanks. No thanks. <laughs> okay, so drawing the parallels to investing, then the fundamentals that we look for, and this is really important this year to everybody that's listening. We have to look at fundamentals more because we're heading into a tightening cycle and the era of zombie companies, the era of easy money is coming to an end, not quite ending yet, but coming to an end, which means that fundamentals matter. And we look at things like earning season, right? What's the earning strength of a company? What's the cash flow strength of a company? Can they internally finance because it's going to be harder and more expensive for them to get external financing as rates go up? 
Momentum, on the other hand, now you talked about four games, which is interesting that there's an actual measurement for you. Momentum, we look at things like a 50-day moving average, a 100-day moving average, a 200-day moving average. And there's these cross points of, you know, you call it the death cross if the if one of the moving averages moves below the other moving averages, or if just the price of the stock touches one of its moving averages, a lot of times it bounces back off. So that's sort of a momentum yep. indicator. And here's what I would say about momentum, though, is there's sayings, you know, you hear the saying all the time, don't fight the Fed. <laughs> there's also a saying, don't fight the trend. Right. And the trend is following momentum. Yep. But the tricky part is, at some point, the trend must end, right? And it's calling when the end is going to be, when's mm -hmm. the inflection point. And that's why it's difficult. And that's why not everybody wins every single time. You know, I think it's interesting. I would say the the parallel there for me would be so that the trend is your friend in terms of so for football, we've seen, you know, coming out of college, more mobile quarterbacks, people quarterbacks are less pocket passers. You don't see guys just standing back in there and dicing people up more like Tom Brady. That's what we're sort of used to with Tom Brady. You're seeing more mobility, more throwing on the run, all of these things that reflect different things that are happening in college. Well, then defenses are now constructed to stop that. So now offenses will go back to do, you know, you see, you do see the kind of reemergence of like before you never had like a like calling someone a slot corner was like ooh he's a slot corner now like it was a bad thing <laughs> and now you're starting to see like a slot corner be valued like call him a nickel you know we we rebrand it oh, right oh, he's a great a nickel word. right yeah but but the point is is like now they're using tight ends in the pass catching game so then now you would put a bigger personnel there well then you see if if there is a team that wants to use a a running back like you know Derrick Henry's kind of a throwback running back. He doesn't really catch passes, but he's bigger, and it defenses have a hard time stopping him. So there, the, you it's chess, right? It's like if you've played a Derrick Henry, then you go play like Patrick Mahomes the next week. That's a hard that's a hard transition. So it's really calling the end of like when are, when are we going to see quarterbacks go back to more traditional pocket passers, or you know, and, and then we'll construct our defense differently based on that. So you're touching on it right now, but the last big topic that I wanted to hit was longer term trends. And I'll just I'll give some examples from investing first, just to kind of frame it. Longer term trends that have happened even since I came into the industry. I've been in the industry, I think, 18 years now, which makes me feel super old. But you were just a baby. 18 years. <laughs> thank you. 18 years. And I've seen things like ESG, so environmental, social, and governance investing take yep. off, where when I was younger in the industry, it was what we called a negative screen. Yep. So you'd have investors that said, okay, I just don't want to own tobacco or firearms. And you would just kind of screen that out of their portfolio. Now ESG is a whole vibe. It's it's this whole vibe of people want to feel good about where they're putting their money. They want to feel good about what it does to the earth. They want to feel good about... I don't know, it being this a new cannabis revolution or whatever the case may be, right? And that's one of the big trends. Another big trend is just digitization that's come in and the thirst from newer investors for technology, for growth, for crypto, right? Digitization of currency markets. So those are some of the big trends that have happened in investing. What are some of the trends that have happened long-term in the game? Well, we had a couple of things happen. First, like we're obviously, we have a game we, we announced uh, just recently, like yesterday, I think that we're going to be playing in Germany. So some of our things are more international reach in terms of like bigger picture business-wise for the NFL. We've obviously started to dip our toe into like interesting emerging markets, meaning um, not just internationally, but like we are now talking about ways to work with gambling. We have three gambling partners. We've never had that before. With three. And, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel, and Caesars are all our official partners. And 
we're talking about content and telling stories in different ways through different lenses because our fans are getting smarter. And part of that is a reflection of how the game's becoming. I mean, we've did we've done hard knocks. We did hard knocks in season this season. So you got a chance to like follow the Colts as the season was unfolding. You know, the as people are more social media, more access to players, the storytelling is just kind of changing. And a lot of these, the you know, a lot of the players are now being asked to do things that you know, players 15 years ago weren't, you know, like you see Patrick Mahomes everywhere and it's good for him, but it's, it, even Aaron Rodgers didn't have that much, you know, personal scrutiny at such a young, he's still pretty young in his career. So it's, it's interesting to see how those things are developing, but on the field, especially there's a huge, there's a lot of work being done around like, you know, health and safety and figuring out how to like make our sport for, for younger people who are like learning how to play the sport, like, you know, the heads up tackling, like all of these different ways to try to like ensure that as the sport evolves, like we're being most, and by the way, there's so many analytics about sports performance that, you know, how to stay healthy and because you want your yeah. best players on the field. Right. So those right. are, there's a lot of innovations going around that, which is actually very cool. And the tracking data that we have yeah. is incredible. So there's a lot of innovations around it to make the game more interesting and, and part of making it more interesting is safer. Okay. Love some comparisons. Um, we've talked about earlier when we talked a couple days ago, Joe Burrow is like a what type of stock? So when I look at Joe Burrow, and I'm thinking a lot about this one because okay. Joe Burrow is very special because typically in your second season, if you go to a team, he was drafted first overall. And then the Bengals drafted his former teammate from LSU third overall in the draft of that. Usually if your team is drafting first, you are not a good team. Right. So the fact that he is making it to the Super Bowl in such a short amount of time, especially after coming back from this ACL, like to me, he's like he might be like early Tesla, like, oh, like early because that's a big call. That's a big call. Yeah, I think he's going to be really good because to do what he's done, he's the most sacked guy. Like these are everything's somehow not working for in his favor. And yet they're at the Super Bowl. But early, not not now, Tesla, like early. Yeah, you know, like, now it would be too expensive. Way too expensive now. Okay. Right. All like, right. So he's going to get paid, but I mean, right. not yet. <laughs> he's got a couple of years left of that. <laughs> get, get I'd, say early, I'd say well, early Tesla. Undervalued. He, yeah. He's undervalued right now. Like, okay. But this is early okay. This is early Tesla. Like, I think you're going to get like some, this one's good. All right. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's probably like, I mean, he's keeps doing it. Everybody knows he's open and he still manages to do it. He's like, I'm not going to give him He's like more like an, an an apple, but like apple now. People know he's already good, and yeah. and yet he's still, yet he's still. It's like, why are you still paying? Why for this? are you still? But it, he's still performing. Yeah. So I think he's like yeah. he's like apple. Like he's like okay. a nice. I mean, it's expensive to get in, but he's gonna it's gonna be worth it. Okay. And now I'm gonna take the two teams. And now for everybody's knowledge, we're recording this before the Super Bowl, so we don't know who won. But you're gonna hear this after the Super Bowl, so you will know who won. But <laughs> both teams. So the Rams or the Bengals, are the Rams traders or investors? The Rams are traders for sure. I mean, they built Von Miller in the middle of the year, Odell Beckham Jr. He was released by the Browns. They picked him up. They're definitely tra- like they're they're very I they haven't picked in the first round since, you know, Jared Goff. So they're not they're not building their team. They're they're traders for sure. This okay. is a free agent like Palethra. I mean, Matthew Stafford's a free was a trade as well. So and the Bengals? No, they're investors. I mean, Joe Burrow's a draft pick. I mean, you can go through a lot of, obviously, Jamar Chase was a draft pick, but you can go through a lot of their, they did bring in a couple of free agents on their defense that did make a big difference. But when your quarterback is your like number one pick and you went all the way in from, I have to call you an investor then. 
That's it. That's it. That's a wrap. That was amazing. I loved that. That was so much fun. <laughs> so I want to do sports podcasts all the time. <laughs> thank you so much. No, for thanks being so much here. for having me. I, yeah. I want to do finance podcasts. All let's do this again. We should start a show. We should let's do it. <laughs> I think we just started a show here. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. Well, in closing, I think that was the most fun I've ever had recording a podcast. No offense to any of my prior guests, but that was really, really fun. And it was cool to draw those comparisons to sports and to the everyday events. And and like I even said in the interview, the intention here was to make data and analytics and analyzing investments feel more approachable and feel more like something that is already in your everyday life. You may not even know it. You're already probably analyzing data in different aspects of your life. Maybe you're big into sports and you're doing it there and you don't even know it. So just apply those same skills to investing to try to minimize the uncertainty that goes with it. So that's it for this episode. Thank you all for listening and I can't wait to get you the next episode soon. For more from me, check out my weekly column on the markets and economy every Thursday morning on the SoFi blog at SoFi.com slash blog. And follow me on Twitter for daily takes on the market at Liz Youngstrap. The Important Part is produced by SoFi in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Sarah Lee Kane, our producer, Brian Rivers, our production manager, and Jeff Emptman, our editor and sound engineer. SoFi can't guarantee future financial performance and past performance is no guarantee. This podcast should be used for informational purposes only and not deemed as a recommendation. Our automated investing is via SoFi Wealth, LLC, and is a registered investment advisor. Our active investing is via SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. For additional disclosures related to the SoFi Invest platforms, please visit sofi.com legal.